Welcome to another episode of Destination Declassified, where we investigate and pursue the truth, opening our minds to what is possible and out there, in this world and beyond. If you ask anyone what they consider to be the most important and crucial of conflicts in recent history, most will agree that World War II was a major turning point that changed the face of the world and that of warfare forever. Millions of men, women and children had to pull together across the globe in the fight against Hitler and the Nazi regime, many of whom perished in some of the most horrifying and heinous ways imaginable. Since those six turbulent years have passed, with victory over the Nazis and Hitler's subsequent suicide, many stories have been told by those who survived, whether it be from our parents and grandparents, or portrayed on television and detailed in historical documents. Every story is unique, every story is worth telling, however not many stories involve sightings of UFOs. In this video we will seek to identify and describe some of the most baffling and authentic sightings of unidentified flying objects which appeared during World War II. Were the sightings legitimate or just figments of people's imagination? Were the witnesses reliable or just trying to make sense of a world gone mad? And what did the government know of these sightings and what did they hide from the public? Let us open our eyes and seek the truth once more. Since the end of the Second World War in 1945, and more, especially in today's society, UFO sightings have increased at a colossal rate. With tools such as the internet, mobile phones, and super lens telescopes giving rise to the phenomenon. Common sense tells us that not all grainy photographs, blurry videos, and testimonies submitted by the public are legitimate, so one must rely on respectable, dependable sources for our information. In the case of World War II, Reliability came in the form of Prime Minister Winston Churchill. In August 2010, it was proclaimed that Churchill had demanded the suppressing of information on what was considered a strange incident in the early 1940s. An incident that the PM was convinced would cause nationwide panic. In 2010, the report was released alongside the mass catalogue of hidden UFO files by the UK's Ministry of Defence. Almost 5,000 pages were issued detailing officially recorded sightings of aerial phenomena. Among these recordings lay a bizarre letter written by an unnamed scientist claiming that the historic 1938 radio broadcast by Orson Welles' War of the Worlds led Churchill to conceal a wartime incident that he believed would have created mass hysteria across the population and destroy humans' belief in religion completely. The letter was written as a testimony from the scientist's grandfather who was a reconnaissance pilot with the Royal Air Force during those active years, and whose missions consisted of flying over numerous hotspots across Europe as the battle raged on below. During one of his local flights over the coast of England, the pilot recalled being intercepted by an object of unknown origin, which he described as being rather large in size and of metallic manufacturing. Before he knew it, the craft had propelled itself within touching distance of the pilot's aeroplane, much to his amazement and shock. After remaining in close proximity for a short time, the ship hovered and grew increasingly loud, before eventually shooting off at high speed into the distance, leaving the bewildered pilot questioning what he had just seen. Approximately 30 years later, the pilot died, yet his story was still able to filter its way to his grandson and be important enough to store in the National Archives 
along with some aerial photographs that were taken of the craft before it disappeared. The story continues that upon hearing of his extraterrestrial story and claim by the pilot and his command post, Prime Minister Churchill again declared that such an incident should be immediately classified for at least 50 years and that he didn't want the responsibility of revealing it to the public. This demand was made and confirmed by a personal bodyguard of the PM, whilst discussions with the then commander of Allied forces, General Dwight Eisenhower, were conducted via a secure telephone link. The United Kingdom and United States have remained close allies ever since the war, and regularly, to this day, compare and discuss all relative cases of unidentified flying objects, especially those which could pose a threat to national and international security. During the 1940s, with Nazi technology and conspiracies of air bases in the farthest polar regions of the Antarctic, up until present-day threats from terrorist organizations, the need for international diplomacy is paramount in understanding what threats, known or unknown, are out there. We now cross the Atlantic to investigate the eyewitness accounts of what many believe to be decisive evidence and affirmations of what became known as the Foo Fighter UFO sensation. The term which was influenced by the phrase, where there's foo there's fire, from the comic strip Smoky Stover, how to illustrate the fear and threat posed by what was seen by the airmen at the time. As the global conflict was nearing its end, and the slow demise of Hitler's army continued to lift the nation's spirits, there was still a needful requirement of aerial defence fleets. Much of this was supplied by the United States, 415th Night Fighter Squadron. Formed in February 1943, the Air Force unit completed various missions across Northwest Europe and beyond, before diminishing in 1947, with all personnel and aircraft being transferred to another squadron. However, in the short time that the 415th Night Fighter conducted their missions and played their part in the defeat of the Nazis, they also came upon an unknown entity which Lieutenant Fred Ringwald recalled all too well. One evening in late November 1944, Lieutenant Ringwald was surveying the skies and grounds of Rhine Valley, located on the French-German border, with co-pilot Lieutenant Ed Schulter and radar operations technician Lieutenant Donald J. Mears. As night engulfed the plane on all sides, Ringwald suddenly noticed that in the distance, approximately nine large glowing lights hovered in the sky in a linear formation. The glow from these mysterious orbs continued to grow stronger and brighter, which produced an orange, almost burning type radiance. Transfixed by the lights and the fact that they remained remotely still and in a strange line, it wasn't long before the other men noticed the spectacular image. Lieutenant Scholter tried to maneuver the plane into a better position to improve his visual of the crafts, in case it was newly developed German technology. But before the men could fix upon them completely, all of the lights disappeared at rapid speed. Checking the radar and reporting into their local ground base, it would come as great surprise that nothing whatsoever was picked up or recorded. Luckily for Ringwald and his co-pilots, the sense of confusion and doubt that crept into their minds in the days after the event would be short-lived, as a few weeks later more sightings would be recorded and verified by other members of the 415th unit. Over the course of the next month, amidst the winter conditions, there would be another three sightings of mysterious anomalies in the sky. 
One of the American squadron pilots was flying over the German town of Breisach, again in the Rhine Valley region, when in the distance, and flying overhead, were five or six flashing red and green lights in a T-shape. The formation and intimidating presence of the spheres captured the pilot's attention and locked in his gaze before disappearing into thin air. Fortunately for Lieutenant Ringwald, the unnamed pilot would immediately report his findings to his superiors, therefore giving credence and corroboration to the men's initial story for which they were afraid to disclose for fear of being considered mentally unstable. From there it would seem that more and more officers and flight crews would witness the same entities in the skies above. Another flight lieutenant would have an almost identical encounter to that of Ringwald's, as a large cylindrical shaped figure, which seemed to hover and without the need for wings, flew at speed towards Lieutenant Sam Krasny's aeroplane wing as it was attempting to attack. After numerous attempts to outwit the rocket and performing various escape maneuvers, it would prove no use as the red glowing machine continued to stalk the pilots on board before once again vanishing from sight. Krasny and his co-pilot's story would gain support from local flight crews who just before Christmas noticed similar orange and red globes in the sky which had no resemblance to any airships they had seen or withstood before. The velocity, height and ease in which they navigated hovered and shot off into the ether not only frightened some of the men but caused various investigations into the sightings. Many considered and knew Lieutenant Krasny as a man who would never entertain the notion of the paranormal, let alone UFOs or aliens. However, family members would notice a change in their loved one's beliefs after the vision he came upon that day. Not only would Lieutenant Cranzi maintain that what he saw was completely unknown in its origin and appearance, he consistently stated that the government were keeping many secrets from the military services and the public after doing his own research. At the time of these tremendous claims by the pilots, crew and ground stations, and despite a collaborative agreement on the flying object's speed, size and description, many of the 415th Night Fighter Squadron would be considered mentally unstable. Drugs, alcohol, stress and other factors were used to excuse the men's behaviour, as well as their tales of what they saw whilst in the sky. Much to the unit's frustration and superior's annoyance due to their consistent professionalism, and efficiency during the battles that they were involved in. As the squadron dismantled and each man went his own way in life, the possibility of UFOs and little green men were discarded as potential balloons, flares or certain weather conditions deceiving the naked eye. However, it's worth noting that as time has gone by and selective evidence of wartime mysteries has been disclosed, the belief that what the men saw was indeed real is not beyond the realms of possibility. On the flip side of this belief are the skeptics and alternative theories who state that what was being manufactured, used and or tested was that of Nazi militarized crafts, which were being generated in remote areas of the world with potential dabbling in the occult. Could it be that secret experiments were being conducted by German scientists determined to engineer a militarized time-traveling aircraft capable of winning the war with ease? Some think so known as Diglog, or the Bell, was, as the name affirms, a bell-shaped machine that was seemingly approved by Hitler and his SS secret police in a daring attempt to strike back at Allied forces. Known for their persistence and creativity in advanced technology and engineering, the German weapon systems would eventually be reproduced by the US military, 
with artillery such as the V-2 missile being physically secured under what became known as Project Paperclip. Known for their dabbling in the occult with secret bases in rural parts of Germany and possibly the Arctic Circle, the SS anti-gravity program would pose a serious, albeit theorised threat to UK and US forces, on the ground as well as in the air. Some believe the attempt to test the Bell by captured German scientists as an aerial strike body after the war ended, indeed failed and became known as the Kecksburg Incident, when a bell-shaped UFO allegedly crashed outside Kecksburg, Pennsylvania in December 1965. One of the scientists who was captured by the Americans after the collapse of the Third Reich and whose past was accentuated for his use in Project Paperclip was Werner von Braun, a 32-year-old rocket engineer. Von Braun, along with another 1,600 engineers and scientists, were recruited and spared trial in order to develop an arsenal capable of defending any opposing threats, mainly that of the Soviet Union as the Cold War years began. It was von Braun who initially worked closely with the Nazi regime to create the V-2 rocket, a long-range guided ballistic missile that was used many times against European nations of resistance. This new technology, developed by highly intelligent engineers, would certainly confuse the Allied aerial forces as the missiles radiated a strong glow from the rear end, and at first glance looked like a cigar-shaped plane with no wings. In 1938, German inventor Joseph Andreas Epp would complete a draft of documents and sketches of what became known as flying saucers, the most commonly cited UFO, especially during the 20th century. Epp would combine his drawings with a newly designed helicopter to generate a prototype craft that would take off from the ground from a stationary position, using the same rotor functions which were secured underneath the saucer ship. In 1941, these newly created models were tested, tweaked and reconfigured numerous times from an air facility in Nazi-occupied Prague, which had been specifically opened by Berlin's Ministry of Aviation for this purpose. However, despite many believing that a number of completed crafts were used in attacks against European forces, or restationed in the Antarctic, as described in the US-led expedition Operation High Jump, no definitive proof exists of the flying saucer phenomenon. In April 1945, the Soviet army began their last major assaults on German-occupied territories, and in reclaiming Czechoslovakia, demanded that all engineering works be dismantled and destroyed. So in the end, all known physical crafts were scrapped, with engineers being arrested, recruited or killed as the end of the war approached. With the eventual surrender of German forces and subsequent death of Hitler, the joy and celebrations from the Allied countries would have been a monumentous event. However, for those haunted by what they had seen, the paranoia would never leave them. Unfortunately, it wasn't long before a reminder came down from the skies, which has baffled the world for decades. The 1947 Roswell incident. In the summer of the year mentioned, a civilian pilot named Kenneth Arnold would report seeing what he described as flying saucers in the sky. This coupled with local rancher Mac Brazil's findings of tin foil, rubber and wooden materials, as well as the RAAF 509th Operations Group's recovery of a flying disc, sent the press and population into a frenzy. As the years have followed, conspiracies surrounding the Roswell incident have multiplied and extended their reach across the globe, 
from intergalactic intelligence sharing with the US president to underground bases and interplanetary space travel. The possibilities of such theories are debatable, but the likelihood of witnessing something unidentified in the sky, whether it be during wartime or in the most remote, quiet regions of land and sea, can never be fully questioned by those who say, I know what I saw. As we end this episode of Destination Declassified, it's worth taking a moment to remember the sacrifices those men, women and children made in serving their country and protecting their families and fellow humans. No matter what claims have been made or incidents covered up, the bravery of all those who experienced World War II in any shape or form should be honoured and respected. Perhaps there was something out there during those years, perhaps not. Perhaps we will never know, until the time is right that is. Thank you once again for tuning into this episode. If history has taught us anything, it's to keep searching for the truth and question everything. As we continue to look to the skies and wonder, what if? <laughs>